Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, a CME podcast series where each week we translate today's late-breaking clinical research and news into tomorrow's practice. I'm Dr. Frank Domino, professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Massachusetts Chan Medical School and editor-in-chief of the 5-Minute Clinical Consult. Be sure to follow the link in the description after today's episode for more information about today's article and to claim CME credit. This podcast is brought to you by PrimeMed. You are seeing Ethan, a four-month-old, for a well-child check. Both parents are in today with the visit, and although they report that he's doing well in many ways, they're exhausted. He needs to be rocked all night long in order to sleep. They've been arguing over what to do and are asking if it's safe to just let him cry himself to sleep. The two parents are tired. Hi, this is Frank Domino, and joining me is Dr. Robert Baldor, professor and the founding chair from the Department of Family Medicine at UMass Chan Medical School, Bay State, in Springfield, Massachusetts. Bob, a study on infant sleeping problems. Boy, is that relevant today as it always is. We haven't discussed this on the podcast before, and I appreciate how exhausting it can be to deal with an infant who won't sleep. Uh, Can you talk a little bit about sleeping problems and how they're defined? Yes, Frank, this really caught my eye. As you know, I've got a handful of children and a handful of grandchildren. So in addition to the people I see at work, it seems like I'm constantly having to address uh, this uh, this issue. Um, so it turns out I was really surprised when I looked at this a little more closely. There's actually DSM-5 criteria for pediatric insomnia. I won't go through the criteria, but it relates to difficult interacting, I'm sorry, in, difficult initiating or maintaining sleep without caregiver intervention. So this is a real-world study, and they noted that up to a quarter of infants meet these criteria, so not an uncommon uh, issue. Now, the most common approaches for addressing such problems are known as extinction methods, and these are based on B.F. Skinner. I don't know if you remember that famous behavioralist out of Harvard, B.F. Skinner. He had theories on operative condition and learned behaviors, and so that's how this plays out here. That is, you're extinguishing or eliminating an undesirable learned behavior, the learned behavior being crying for parental assistance, by removing the reward, the reward being parental attention. So in this study, they sought to examine the effectiveness and the safety of various behavioral interventions by comparing infant sleep-wake patterns, parental sleep, daytime sleepiness, depressive symptoms, and parent-infant bonding between parents who had implemented various behavioral sleep interventions and those that had not. And what they included then were, um, so, so the, the intervention, just to let you know, the, the first is called unmodified extinction. Basically, that's just crying it out. You just throw the kid in the crib and you leave and come back in the morning. Always my favorite. Uh, <laughs> then they have modified ex, uh, ex, extinction which is control crying. You do put the, the infant in the crib alone, but a peri- periodically you go back in the room to check on them and you may try and speak to them, but you don't touch them. And the other one is just parental presence where the parent is actually camping out in the room, trying to soothe the, uh, trying to soothe the child. Those are the three main uh, uh, methods that they, they looked at and that people seem to use. I think it's great to revisit that this B.F. Skinner was how they developed uh, the the premise for this study. I love it. You mentioned it was a real-world study. Can you talk about a little bit about the design? Yeah. So it turns out there's actually been some randomized controlled uh, trials that have demonstrated efficacy of these interventions in improving infant sleep. But those studies have been of more severe cases, 
children greater than six months old, and they've been done in clinical research settings. So, you know, how does that actually play out with what's really happening out there in the world world? So in this uh, study, they decided to approach parents that had actually purchased a specific baby monitor that had that tracks infant sleep patterns. I guess it's no surprise that those things are out there. I've got a thing that tracks my sleep pattern every night when I go to sleep. So they're out there for, for infants as well. So they contacted over 3,000 parents who had, uh, were using these monitors, sent them an email invitation to participate in the study. I thought it was kind of neat. And of that, a little over 2,000 of these parent-infant dyads met the study inclusion criteria. The infant had to be aged between 3 and 18 months. They had to have a timely completion of the survey regarding the behavioral sleep components they were asking about because they didn't want to have problems with memory recall. So they had to be done fairly a short time period. And they actually had to be able to get four analyzable nights objective infant sleep data from that in-room audio video baby monitor. And it had to be within the 14 days of the end of the completion of the, uh, the study. So they monitored the infants for a mean of uh, 11.7 nights. So just about two weeks standard deviation of 2.4 nights. And the parents had to complete the surveys, obviously regarding their demographics, what behavioral interventions they were using, and then along with questions about the infant sleep and their own sleep. And they used the standard um, instruments to re uh, review these things. They used the Pittsburgh Sleep Quality Index, the Epworth Sleepiness Scale. They had them complete the Edinburgh Postnatal Depression Scale and the Postpartum Bonding Scales as, uh, as, as well for, for data collection. Wow, this is a really great study, Bob. I love the fact that they, you know, they had volunteers, they, they, they limited bias in a variety of ways. I like that they were able to collect objective data from their video as well as the survey data. What'd they find? Yeah, so pretty neat. So it turns out the, the infants actually ranged from two weeks to 18 months for data reporting uh, with a mean of 5.3 months. So that was a standard deviation of 2.6. So roughly, you know, two to eight months here is what we were looking at. And mind you, this was uh, the recommendations are to start these implementations when children are over six months. Um, so that's what they meant by real world. This is actually what parents are doing. And so they actually found no, uh, and then there was no significant differences between the types of interventions that were being used based on the, the parental groups or based on the age of the inference. However, the duration of the different types they were using differed significantly between groups. And so um, about half, 50%, 50.2% reported trying one type of intervention, 12% tried two, and about one and a half percent tried all three types to improve their infant's sleep. So I don't know whether that was because the infants were more difficult or the parents were, I'm not sure there, but uh, they, they had to use it. So the modified extinction, which was periodically checking in on the infant was the most common one to be implemented. 43% using it unmodified where, where they just put them into bed. 27.6% used that and 10% used the parental uh, presence. When they looked at efficacy, they found that parental presence took longer to see improvement, was related as less difficult, but less helpful than the other two. Unmodified extinction, right? Where you just put the child into the crib and you walk out. They, you had to implement it for a shorter duration and you saw improvements in the infant's sleep over more, so it's more helpful compared to the other ways with modified extinction being between the two. So they also looked at parental stress with doing this though. Those that had lesser parental involvement, i.e. right, uh, not being engaged with the, uh, with, with the infant, were experiences more challenging. So for, right, you're just letting that child cry it out and you're not going in that bed. 
it was less time consuming and more effective, but it was quite a bit more challenging for parents to, uh, to implement that. They corroborated this um, data by looking at uh, data from the in-room uh, baby monitors uh, as well. Um, average age and implementation was about five months, as I say, younger than the typically uh, recommended. And the infant age did not uh, make a difference depending on which use that they used. Um, so they uh, noted that these findings were consistent uh, with clinical settings. And um, so the, uh, you know, they, they found, though, in their study, though, that parents are, are frequently implementing these before the first six months of infant's age, often when the infants are as young as a month old. I start this discussion around three months and say by four months, they need to sleep through the night. And if they're not, then we've got two months to kind of work on it. But once once that child hits that six-month mark, they, they've got the mental capacity to train parents well. I, I also like that they cry it out was both the most stressful, but the most beneficial and took the shortest amount of time to implement. Yeah. No, that's what they found. Um, you know, I think I just wanted to note something about this. And, and they, they found that, that the parental presence was less effective, obviously. By the way, the study group here, though, you got to realize... This was an educated, for the most part, these are educated, uh, this is uh, white parents, middle, high socioeconomic backgrounds. And so there may be some limited generalizability of these funding. Remember, these are parents that have been recruited. These are participants that have been recruited as parents who had already bought this infant monitor, uh, were interested in their baby's sleep. And uh, so there was probably a degree of selection bias that, that was there as well. But nevertheless, I think these findings are very interesting from my perspective. Yeah. Interesting topic. So uh, Ethan and his parents are here. What are we going to tell them? Yeah, <laughs> well, they're exhausted. Uh, they're younger than the six months recommended. Uh, but this study really helps to provide support for the cry to sleep method, even for infants less than six months of age. Frank, you mentioned uh, four months. I, I clearly think that that's clear. And the uh, I think what this study does is it reduces the worry about using these, these different uh, methods for people. I always tell them, I tell the, the parents to just trust their instincts. There's really not enough research out there to clearly state what is right or wrong for their individual child and, 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 and what they're doing. And if they're exhausted, they've got to do something, go for it. Thanks, Bob. I really, uh, I love this. I love this research. And yes, there is a tiny bit of risk of bias, but the information is, is critical to both our own understanding as well as how we counsel parents. Practice pointer. A variety of behavioral interventions, interventions, cry it out, controlled crying, camping out, are available to help patients who are struggling with infant sleep problems. A recent real-world study of infants aged 3 to 18 months younger than the recommended age of more than six months, demonstrated efficacy of crying it out and controlled crying to address such issues. Join us next time when we discuss the new diagnostic and treatment guidelines from the American Academy of Pediatrics dealing with pediatric obesity. Thank you for listening to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, brought to you by PrimeMed. To claim CME credit and receive additional information about the article referenced in today's episode, Follow the link in the description. To stay up to date on the most recent clinical research and news, please subscribe to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine and be sure to check out primed.com for additional CME content.